Midnight on the interstate. Welcome back to Straight from the Source on the uh, beautiful, well, not beautiful, so rainy day here in, uh, <laughs> in, in Minnesota. Uh, very, very happy to be joined uh, by Brad Hunt, three-time AHL All-Star, uh, winner of the Hardest Shot Hour. We'll talk a little bit about that, Brad. Uh, the highest scoring defenseman in Bemidji State history. And in his in his first uh, two seasons with the Wild, parts of two seasons in only 88 games, he has 11 goals. Uh, that's near the top of the list for Wild defensemen. Uh, you've got to be near the top of the list in uh, points per in goals per 60 minutes as well. Uh, Brad, how are you in this uh, crazy time that we are in? Ah, we're doing great. You know, it's a uh... Always something to take the positives from, and it's been great to spend time with family and uh, to see my son grow. I mean, after, when we're on the road and we're living such a fast-paced life, you don't realize how much we miss uh, when we're on the road. So it's been great to see him see him at home, and uh, he started walking, so I'm glad I was home for that. I, I remember when he was born last year, Colby we're talking about. Uh, so he's got to be about 13 months, like right around now, right? Yeah, so his birthday actually which was on March 27th, so it was great to be home for that as well. And uh, obviously, it was just the three of us, my wife, Colby, and I, because uh, we couldn't have a little birthday party for him with uh, with uh, friends from the team and stuff. But we we made the most of it, and we had a had a little birthday bash here with the three of us. What? How has life changed since uh, since you've been a dad? As as you said, I mean that's probably the the biggest uh, saving grace of this uh, of this pandemic that we all are in with the stay at home order you've gotten to have seen it on your your new instagram account huntsy 77 yeah. i see I'm that awful you're, at instagram by the way <laughs> it, it is funny though i see that you're using them a little bit for your workouts too uh using them as a barbell yeah we were just farting around in here one day and uh, i was just started picking him up and would like you th- when you're with the kid you throw him in the air and he does a little giggle and my wife's like do a little workout with him so we started and he was giggling through it and loving it so it was fun and then obviously i picked up the instagram account and i was like we're just like you got to put it on there you got to put it on there so it was, it was fun and i don't think i've put on anything there anything on there since but it was great yeah it's, it's been a lot of fun and as for life change and i mean as a dad it's obviously changed a lot. I mean, before we didn't really have that much of responsibilities other than like we'd come home from the rink and hang out with my wife and our friends. And But now it's it's been so much fun. I mean, to, just to, to see him grow up and change every day and his smile, it just makes you forget about everything. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, it is really neat, uh, Brad, the way that a lot of you guys have really embraced uh, the social media and, and letting, letting fans into your lives. Uh, you know, we've seen it with Jared Spurgeon and one of the cool things I've seen on Jared Spurgeon's Instagram stories is that you've done a couple of happy hours on Zoom and you were part of it and your wife, Katie, as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's just staying connected with our friends and our, our teammates. Obviously, they're the people we're closest with during the time of the season. And uh, I think it's important to, to see each other and to keep our mental capacity uh, with our friends and our teammates and to keep us close. And it's been, it's been, it's been awesome. And uh, my wife really enjoys it seeing the other girls as well, who she's became fairly close with. And obviously, I mean, your wife, Katie, she, she is a Minnesotan. I think you both met in college at Bemidji state. She's uh, yep. I believe from Grand Rapids. Is, is that the big reason why you, you two have decided to stay here? Because I, I know that you, uh, you live in Washington, you live right on the water, a beautiful home. Uh, you could have easily have gone back there. Yeah, I think we're just really comfortable here, obviously with her family being close and where we live in Washington, it's, it's a little peninsula that's, uh, kind of trapped off from a border. So you have to actually go through Canada and come back into the United States. Uh, it's a little town called Point Roberts. And um, 
it would have just been difficult getting there and trying to the the um like getting groceries and all that stuff. There's a grocery store there, but it's not the biggest. It's it's not a very big town at all. And uh, it was just we just felt comfortable here and staying here. And if we do get back playing, it would just it's just nice to be in one spot, I think. And that's what made us ch choose to stay here. And then we re-upped our lease till next May as well, just to to be comfortable and not have to worry about uh, logistics and all that stuff. It's just mm -hmm. easier to leave all of our stuff here. We're talking with Brad Hunt, the uh, wild uh, defenseman, sharpshooting defenseman. We'll talk a lot about that and how he uh, developed uh, such a crazy, fast, uh, high-velocity shot. Um, this is Michael Russo on Straight From The Source. To subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Straight From The Source. We'll get you in for 40% off. Um, Brad, tell us a little bit about your, your growing up. Um, I, I got to do a really fun father-son roundtable uh, with your dad and, and a couple of other fathers as well um, when we were in Vancouver for the uh, father-son trip right at the end of the season, or what we hope is not the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, your dad, Steve. Um, I know your mom's Trisha. You, you guys, you grew up in uh, Maple Ridge. Tell us about Maple Ridge, where, um, as Jeff Domey, our, our uh, producer, was reminding me before we went on the air. I mean, it, it has developed a lot of uh, famous athletes, famous musicians. Uh, Larry Walker, Cam Neely, Andrew Ladd from there as well. Yep, and then uh, also another guy from there is uh, there's two more actually, uh, Brandon Yip. And then also Victor Bartley, who had a little short stint in Minnesota. And uh, it's, it's, it's just a small town, and it's a place that I always call home. I have a lot of friends from high school there. All, all my family lives there. And uh, it's a, people that I've grew up with are really close. I still am very close with all my high school friends that I didn't necessarily play hockey with. But, um, yeah, I got a lot, a lot of so many friends and so many great memories there and uh, a lot of relationships that will never leave my soul or uh, will always be very close to me. It seems, uh, you know, as the old saying goes, that you were raised the right way. Uh, I mean, you, you, I've said it a lot, and I think sometimes you get embarrassed by it, but you're one of the friendliest players I've ever covered, <laughs> and I've covered a ton of players. And I asked your dad about that during the father-son trip, and he said that, you're, that, that both he and your mom uh, really taught you as a young age, it's not very hard to just say hello back to somebody. And, and uh, we, we always joke as media people, there's, it's never the end of practice until you leave the room and say, see you guys, you know, yeah, you know, that, yeah. I mean, you, you are, you are like that. Yeah. And I mean like that just from when I was a little kid, like it was always like, make sure you always say hi and you treat people with respect. And that's how I was raised, whether it be at the rink, whether it be, going to my dad's work or my mom's work or whatever. It was just, if somebody wanted to talk, I was always there to talk and I'm not the slowest speaking person. I always have I'm a, a bit of a motor mouth in it, which people like to give me a hard time about, but that's all right. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's just always treat people the way you want to want to be treated. And I'm by no means a mean looking person or have any mean bones in my body really. So I always treat people with I want to be treated nicely. And so I always, always treat people nicely. And uh, I think that goes a long way with uh, relationships that you build as well. It's, it's funny. I mean, uh, if, if you think about it, I mean, where you and I first met was at the airport in Vegas after you were yeah. traded to the wild. And I, yep. and I learned this really quickly. Within two minutes of me talking to you and introducing myself, you invited me into the uh, SUV that Andrew Height set up to bring you to practice that day in Denver. Yeah, I mean, I just felt like it was the right thing to do. We had talked the whole time on the plane. And, and I mean, I, it's, it's not like I knew you from before, but you were super nice to me. And I knew you were part of the wild. And I was like, well, I got this car that Andrew set up. You might as well just come with me. We're going to the same place. And remember, we were actually supposed to go to the ramp, yep. but we never we were too late because our plane got delayed. 
Yeah, it was uh, it was it was crazy. Yeah, we were supposed to go to University of Denver, and I think yeah. we had a we had a delay getting into Denver for some reason. I think it was like air traffic control, and while we yep. were halfway to the University of Denver, Whitey said it's not even worth it. Go to the hotel, and we get to the hotel, and right away, I mean, Wild fans were were you know they were a lot of Wild fans come on that Denver Vegas jaunt, so there were a lot of Wild fans came up and introduced themselves to you. Um, yeah, but it was it turned out to be one of my favorite stories that I've written at the Athletic because. You know, I've written hundreds of stories about player trades, but I've never seen it from the perspective of the player that's been traded going to his new life, his new team. And, you know, I even know that you had played for other teams before. It was the first time you had ever been traded in your career. So there's the nerves that come. With yeah, that. exactly. And like you said, I've been on other teams before, so it wasn't like it was different in that aspect. But the whole being traded thing was different. I mean, even if you date back to junior, I was never traded. Um, I always played with the same team. And then I went to college, obviously, for four years and was there. And then um, in the minors, I never got traded. I, it was just changing teams through signing with a different team. I mean, I was with Edmonton for four years. And then I never got traded from there. I just signed with St. Louis. And then I got picked up on waivers by Nashville and then signed in Vegas. And then finally, to get traded from Vegas to Minnesota, it was something that was... I mean, I guess I can put on my resume, I suppose, if you take the <laughs> positives of it. But I mean, there's so many people that I can thank for literally helping keeping my career develop and keep it going. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know we're jumping around. I do want to get back to uh, just your, your growing up a little bit. But how weird is it? I mean, you're in the press box that night in Vegas. You're watching your Vegas Golden Knights play the Minnesota Wild. And then about an hour after the game, you're called into the practice facility by George McPhee to say you were essentially rooting for the wrong team that night. Yeah, pretty much. I remember going home that night and I was at home with uh, I, I don't I can't remember if I was almost home or if I had just gotten home. But anyways, George McPhee called me on my phone and he's like, hey, Brad, uh, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, I was either just driving home or I just got home. And he's like, uh, would you mind meeting me at the practice rink? And I was like, oh, boy, this is like, I don't know, 1030 at night. I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> I don't think I did anything wrong or said anything stupid in the press box. But um I get back to the rink and he obviously sat me down and uh, Kelly McCrimmon was there as well. And two people that I have so much respect for. Um, and they said, listen, Brad. Um, and I had had a conversation with George about my situation about two weeks prior, maybe a little bit less. And he said, listen, Brad, like this is the situation. Do you want to get traded and all that kind of stuff? And I, and I, I didn't want to get traded. I really loved my time in Vegas and uh, it was something that they wanted the best for me and um which is again why i respect them so much is they wanted to see me succeed in the best way possible then they george said i have a trade with minnesota and i think you're really going to get a chance there and um and uh paul fenton as well i gotta thank him thank him too for bringing me on board but they said you we really think you can succeed here and this is their situation and told me i was traded and i i mean obviously uh minnesota is such a special place um, with my wife being from here, um, it was and being going to school here, I was a place that I knew I was going to be comfortable, and the guys on the team embraced me right away. Yep, and uh, Paul Fenton knew you from your from your uh, time in Nashville as well, and yep, and um, it really, I mean, and you did, you got a chance right away. Uh, you know that you're, you you don't, as we just said, we're in the car on the way to practice. You don't get to even practice, and then the next day, after not playing since January. Uh, yep. you got to you got to start on the right side in Denver in a huge win against the Avalanche and and really uh, took off from there. 
Yeah, and, and thank goodness we had the bye week right after because that first game I played, it wasn't very good at all. <laughs> I was awful. And then uh, as the game went on, I settled in a little bit, but I hadn't played in a while. But um, then we had the bye week, and I it was almost really perfect timing. I got to kind of collect my – or not my life, but our life, meaning my wife and I, and she was pregnant at the time. Um, we got to go home to our place in Washington and uh, kind of regroup. And then after the break, it was – full steam ahead and uh like i said the guys on the team really embraced me right away and made me feel a part of the team instantly which really helped a lot that was uh you got your mind off the trade by didn't you uh, build your baby's crib yeah in washington that bye week yeah and then we went home and that it got my mind off of everything like even that first game with the wild where i said like i wasn't very good um it just took my mind off of it and when i got back from the break it was like okay fresh start here we go and then that first game in Dallas, I scored. And uh, that really set it up for uh, the rest of the season last year. And obviously, we didn't make the playoffs, and we, which we would have liked to. But uh, personally, it really helped me getting a contract for this year and next year. Yep, exactly. Uh, we're talking with Brad Hunt on Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Um, let's just go back a little bit to your, your childhood. Your dad was a goalie, right? Yep. And, and so where did, where did uh, the one thing I remember from the father-son point, point blank is that he said that he pretty much right from the start deterred you from, from playing goalie? Yeah, and I loved playing goalie. Like whenever it was, when we're younger, you get chances to, to trade on and off. And I remember bringing the goalie gear home and my dad would be like, oh my gosh, not you're not doing this. And then uh, I would play goalie and then I whatever, I'd play one game. I'd be like, God, this is fun, but I like scoring goals. So then I would play out. And then like two months later, I play goalie again. And he's like, please just don't like it. Don't like it. Don't like it. But uh, no, no matter what, he was supportive of whatever I did. And my mom as well and my grandparents too. And uh, they, they just wanted me to have fun. And that's what it was all about. That's awesome. And then uh, and your dad, I mean, he he basically built you uh, places to shoot in your backyard, right? On your patio. Like, yeah, he, so he, he worked at a food processing plant and and they had this like plastic sheeting or something. Yeah, he when I was really young, he worked at a place called Overweighty Foods, which is no longer a, a place. But um, he uh, he would get these like slippery little pla- plastic sheets where the puck would kind of slide like it was on ice. And I would and I wasn't very good at video games, and I didn't really like to play video games. Um, so when when I was at home, I'd come home from school, I would just be outside shooting pucks and that's what I love to do I mean it wasn't like it was like forced to go out and do it I just enjoyed doing it it's like kind of my 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 uh zen I guess I could just go outside and I didn't, didn't listen to music or anything so I didn't I didn't want to be in my room or watching tv I just wanted to shoot pucks and I loved playing hockey so I'd be in the cul-de-sac with rollerblades on playing street hockey with my buddies in the neighborhood or I'd be in the backyard shooting pucks uh, and then just looking at your career, you go on to the BCHL. Your second year in the BCHL, you have a long playoff run. Uh, you half a point a game, 38 points in 60 games. Your second year, basically a point-a-game player with 16 goals. How does somebody go from that to winding up in the middle of uh, Minnesota and Bemidji? Um, so we were in – I remember it to the day. I remember – uh, his name is Ted Belisle. We were in Westside Kelowna and I played a fairly good game and uh, I, I think I, I scored a goal. But anyways, after the game, uh, my coach at the time was like, hey, someone outside wants to talk to you. And then I had talked to a few other schools before, but I got outside and I remember seeing BSU on the jacket. I'm like, who the heck? It's not Boston State University, is it? Like I had no <laughs> idea where what BSU was. And um, so anyways, talked with Teddy and like – and then uh, I think it was a couple weeks later, um, Tom Saratori came down and we were playing in Burnaby and had a meeting and my parents were there and had a meeting with uh, 
my me and my family after the game and said, "Hey, listen, Brad, like we want to offer you a full full ride scholarship to Bemidji State." And my parents were like, "Huh?" <laughs> like they they never expected me to be able to. They I mean they wanted me to, and like they dreamed that I could, but they never expected that hockey would take me to the places that it has. And um, he's like, "We're gonna offer you a full ride scholarship, um, but I need to know." And I was like, "Oh boy!" Like I haven't really left home at this time. Um, I had no idea of where Bemidji was. So I remember going home that night and I was just telling my mom and dad, I'm like, I really want to go see where this place is before I say yes, because I don't really know. And I remember uh, right away, Tom's like, okay, uh, you don't have the game the next couple of days. Let's get you on a plane. We'll fly into Winnipeg. Teddy came up, picked me up. Um, I, he drove me down from Winnipeg, drove me down from Winnipeg to Bemidji. Uh, I remember driving into town and it was like, what the heck? This is awesome. We drive by the lake and there's a bunch of houses and stuff on the lake. I'm like, Teddy, what are those out there? Like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, those are fish houses. And I've never seen a fish house or ice house before. And uh, he's um, he's just like, yeah, people like literally students live in those things and they fish and they go to class and they go back and fish and there's roads on the ice. I'm like, this is awesome. So then uh, I get to there and I stayed the night and uh, the next day it was just a super. I didn't see a, I got to see one practice. I didn't get to see a game or anything because the team was going to North Dakota so the, I stayed that night, came home the next day. I'm like, mom, dad, I'm gone. Like, this is it. This is where I want to go. Um, and everybody there was super respectful and super inviting to be there too um, with the, the seniors on the team that year. And then the, the following year, the seniors, they brought me in and they said, Brad, like, this is what we want you here um, kind of thing. And uh, yeah, and the rest is history. And, the, and the, like, I'm so glad I, got my, I met my wife there. And uh, it's, it's, we haven't looked back since. Amazing. Four years there. Uh, you got your college degree in business ed- administration and entrepreneurship in small business. Um, it's highest scoring defenseman in Beavers history. Uh, and you helped lead them to a couple NCAA tournaments, including that shocking run of the Frozen Four in 09. Um, Bill Loy asks, uh, you know, it's funny. We um, we see so many hilarious videos of Frank Serratore on, on the Internet all the time from his press conferences. Uh, Bill Loy asks, what was it like playing for Tom Serratore? Um, I loved him. He's uh, someone that's very close to me and someone that really cared about me growing up as a person. Um, he's, I, and I'd only know Frank from just playing against him when he coached at the Air Force for, I think we only played against him twice, maybe three times. And um, just from stories that Tom would tell him. So I don't know Frank as a person really, but uh, just from videos, you see, Tom's not like that. I mean, he, Tom loves to talk. But he's not as confrontational, I don't think, and uh, kind of out in the media and like this, and just going, going, and going, and going, and going. But uh, Tom is awesome, and I he loves hockey, and he really cares about his players as humans too, and he wants you to make the right decisions. and uh, And uh, he's someone that I really look to in my four years to to kind of guide me in the right way. Uh, Mike Linner asks, "What was your best memory at Bemidji State?" My best memory. Um, it's got to be going to the Frozen Four. I mean, when we got back from the – when we went to the regionals, um, we were the 16th seed. And I remember practicing um, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, we were playing against Notre Dame. And uh, we were practicing. And Notre Dame guys were coming out on the bench. And you could just tell they're like, who are these guys? And we were just flying around the rink. Like, that's how our practices were. Um, it was just go as hard as you can. And then when the hour's up and you're sweating, you're like, thank goodness we can get off. <laughs> But um, I remember thinking in that game, I'm like, we're going to beat these guys. It just had a weird feeling. You just had like, this is our time. Like, and uh, 
I think it was it wasn't even five minutes into the game. The puck got dumped into their zone. It kind of bounced off the end boards. And Chris McKelvey, it went the goalie went out to play it and it kind of went to the front of the net and he missed it. And and Chris McKelvey put it in. And we I think we ended up winning five to one that game. And it, and then we went to Cornell and it's like literally we're one game away from going to Washington, DC to play in the Frozen Four. And I we we were down one nothing and then all of a sudden we just took off. I think we won that one five one or four one. And then we got back to Bemidji and we landed. We got to take a charter flight for the first time, which everyone was so happy about. It was pumped. We got to fly out of Bemidji because before we would always travel down to the cities to fly out to Denver or to Robert Morris or Niagara or Alabama. So we never got to fly out of Bemidji. So we got to fly out of Bemidji and coming back, there was the whole town was at the airport waiting for us. It was so cool that people were cheering, horns were honking. And uh, I think that's one of the coolest memories I have. And it was in my first year. That's awesome. Um, T- Tanner Yokomas, and this is a good transition to that. Um, Tanner, who's a uh, high school hockey player, I believe, in Faribault, um, okay. asks, how accomplished did you feel after signing with the team, after going undrafted? I mean, you just talked about how cool it was to fly that first charter, and now you're living yeah. the life uh, of, a, of an NHL. Or you signed, your first contract was with – was you, you played for the Chicago Wolves. Was that with Edmonton, or was it with the Blackhawks, or – no, so my first, very first contract was right after our school, our school season ended. Um, my agent Dan Plant, who again is a fantastic man and I'm someone I'm very close to, um, had played with the Chicago Wolves and uh, the GM down there, uh, Wendell Young, another guy who I can't say enough good things about, but um, they said, "Do you want to come down here and give it a try?" And uh, at that time, Craig McTavish was the coach. And they were with the Vancouver, uh, the Vancouver Canucks organization. So I went down there and played really well and kind of fit in right away. It was weird. It was almost like uh, call, like it was almost like, and not this. This is not to be uh, downplaying it or anything, but it almost seemed like college was at the time was faster. Um, so when I got there, I was like, "Holy smokes! Like, what's going on?" But I think maybe it's just I was kind of on an adrenaline rush. I was just so excited to be able to play, and. Um, played really well and uh at the end of that year Craig McTavish ended up parting ways with the Wolves and the Canucks organization and he became the GM of the Edmonton Oilers and at the end of the, I, ne- I remember at the end of that season I had a, my year-end interviews with uh with him and the rest of the staff and he's like our trust me Brad our paths will cross again and I kind of whatever I just took it with a grain of salt and it was like whatever thank you very much Mac T uh and another guy who's uh helped me with my career but uh, so that next season, I signed just an American League contract with the Wolves um, to play down there. And they were still with the Canucks, but I had nothing. I was not affiliated with the Canucks at all. Um, just played on the minor league team and uh, had a really good year. And actually, Marcus's dad, Mike Felino, was my coach. <laughs> he was the D coach that year. But um, and then after that season, I had another year left on my contract with the Wolves. But if I was to sign an NHL contract, I was allowed to to, to leave and the Wolves would honor that. So after after that season, Craig Mac uh, Craig McTavish was the GM, and he offered me a contract with the Oilers, and that was my very first chance to to play to have an NHL contract and to get a chance to play in the NHL. It's amazing. I 
how how small the hockey world can be, Brett. I mean, I was talking to Dean Evison about it on last week's podcast about when he played yeah. for the Washington Capitals and and uh, up Colby's up. Yeah, um, sorry, Katie. <laughs> no, but I was talking to him about you know he plays for David Poyle with the Washington Capitals. And next thing you know, years and years later, in the middle of his coaching stint, David Poyle hired him as the Milwaukee Admirals coach. It it just shows you that you know that if yeah you can go a long way by just being a good guy if people respect you. Eventually, you're going to probably run into him again in in this uh, very small small hockey world. Exactly, and and that's another thing I was always taught is, is never burn a bridge. No matter what the relationship is, you always have to end it on good terms because you never know if somewhere down the line you need somebody's help or they need your help in in any sort sort of sense of life. Um, so I always was the thing respect is and loyalty is so big with with me and, and that's something I learned from my family. Mm-hmm. And we uh, the, the one thing uh, just getting to know your dad a little bit when we were in Vancouver. Um, you go on to Oklahoma City, and the one thing whenever I do these father-son roundtables, I think that was the third or fourth I've done, the one thing you realize with all the dads is how proud they are their their sons as people, not hockey players. And your dad talks about Oklahoma City and a boy you met there, Chase. And uh, I know Dan Myers yeah. from Wild.com re- recently did a story on, on your relationship with this boy in Oklahoma City that you're still very close to. And just coincidentally, on the day that the uh, the NHL is suspended, Chase and his family was up in the Twin Cities about to come to the Vegas Golden Knights-Minnesota Wild game. Um, tell us a little bit about Chase. Um, yeah, so Chase is something uh, someone that's very close to Katie and I, and his family is very close to ours. Uh, um, and that's bonded over six seven years now but oklahoma when i played there with the 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 barons uh we did a thing called barons buddies and it was always you team up with um someone uh for the special olympics sort of say so we would go bowling do ice skating go to the go-karts and this uh there's about three outings a year that's that we would do with them and chase was never um someone that was considered my my uh buddy or anything but um it was somebody that i just instantly connected with whether we do fan skates i would just connected with him and his family right away and uh would always take him out in his wheelchair out on the ice and uh rip around and um it's just something that uh he was like i looked at him like a little brother almost um i just felt for him and he seemed to understand me as a person and we kind of disconnected that way and uh and uh we've been super close with them uh, they were just here they got they give katie stuff for her birthday they get Colby colby stuff for his birthday and it's kind of we send stuff back and forth that's awesome and they've uh used to come to dallas whenever you played in dallas and yep. you know jesse granger our athletic uh um uh, vegas golden knights writer has put videos of of you and, Ch- and colt and chase on the ice as well uh, and and he ripping them around. That's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, it's a, like I said, it's a cool feeling. And uh, selfishly, it makes myself feel good because I know I'm helping somebody else feel better. But I think uh, he makes it means so much more. And he does more for more for me than I really do for him. You know, their family is so respectful to us. And um, he, like I said, he teaches me more about life than I could ever teach him. This is uh, straight from the source to subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash straight from the source. I thank Brad Hunt for uh, joining us today. And there's podcasts all over our site. So I uh, highly recommend you uh, subscribing to The Athletic or you can listen on Apple to our podcast as well. But we also have a podcast uh, feed on The Athletic. And uh, this week, uh, Ryan Reeves, who I'm sure is very good friends with uh, Brad Hunt. He joins Barrett Jackman and Jeremy Rutherford on We Went Blues. Uh, that's with this week on The Athletic. Uh, you played with Ryan Reeves in 
in uh, in Vegas. I know he's he could be a villain to opposing fans, but I got to think it's pretty fun to have him inside your own locker room. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ryan was somebody that I was uh, became pretty good friends with. Actually, I played with him when I was with St. Louis, and uh, just in that short time, and he was always super respectful and friendly with me. And then uh, when he got traded to Vegas, um, he was an awesome guy to have on your team. I mean, obviously, he's got your back all the time, and he was someone that. Uh, Katie, Katie and I became close with him and his family. Um, we're talking with uh, Brad Hunt. And Brad, uh, you know, one of my uh, stories that I wrote on you this year that was a really interesting story was I think I interviewed you at the start of the season in Denver about the story, and eventually we ran it. And it was basically contrasting the shots that you and Matt Dumba have, two guys that aren't very big, but you have long been known for your shots. Um, you played in three AHL All-Star games. Uh, and then you, uh, but one of them, I believe, you, you actually made a fourth uh, but you were with the National Predators at the time, but couldn't play. But you played in Providence, Utica, and Syracuse. You always took uh, part in the hardest shot competition. So in 2003, uh, you shot 99.5 miles per hour, and you finished third behind uh, Braden McNabb and Eric uh, Griba. In 2015, you uh, finished second to Colin Miller, who had 105.5. You shot 101.2. And in 2016, you finished second to Ryan Graves. Uh, he shot 103.4. You shot 100.2. And the one in 2015, I know, really amazed you because you you shoot you shoot 101.2. You're thinking you're going to win, and then Colin Miller, who winds up being also a teammate of yours in Vegas, uh, he goes out there and blasts the 105.5. Um, where where does this velocity come from? Because as we talked about, I mean, you are not a big guy. You're five foot nine, 180 pounds. I, I hope I got that right. Um, you know, Dumba's not Tumba's not overly big as well. Um, I think that you guys are proof positive that you don't have to be large to shoot the heck out of a puck. Yeah, and I mean, I think it has a lot to do with mechanics and and being fortunate. Really, um, you see some guys that have great form and they're they, they don't necessarily have the hardest shot or or by any means. But um, it's one of those things where it's just we're fortunate. And I think uh, Dumbs will agree with you is we're fortunate to have a hard shot. I mean, I use a fairly long stick and I use probably one of the stiffer sticks on the team with a, a hundred, 105 flex. And then I cut it down. So it's a probably about 110 flex stick, uh, which for one timers is for me, it seems to work. Um, but yeah, I think it's just being a for, being fortunate. Obviously I do a lot of core core exercises in the summer. And uh, I think that's where a lot of the power comes from is the lower body and through the core. Uh, and even look at golfers. I mean, look at some of these small guys, how, how far they could rip the ball, like Ricky Fowler. They could just absolutely drill the ball. And I think it's just a mechanic thing and then also being fortunate. And uh, those cards just happen to be with us. Uh, Herbeck uh, Ronick on Twitter asks also uh, what, you, what your pattern is. Um, you said that you're 105 flex. Uh, do you have a certain um, pattern? It, it's in between a Sakic and a Medano, if that makes sense. Um, it's mm-hmm. not a huge, huge curve by any means, but it's it's a little bit of a curve. But it's uh, it's decently more so on the straight side than the curved side. By the way, uh, Corey asks, um, uh, who do you still keep in touch with at BSU Hockey besides Territory? Um, I got a couple guys: uh, Shea Walters, Jamie McQueen, um, Ben Kinney. There's there's some there's a bunch of guys that. Uh, I, I wouldn't say keep in touch with, but every couple months I talk to, I probably talk with Jamie McQueen the most. He was uh, one of my roommates with all, throughout all four years. And um, we just stay, stay in contact through social media and stuff like that and uh, texting. But by no means am I talking to everybody once a week or anything. But uh, just because everyone's moved on with their lives and uh, the busy lifestyles too. And you kind of don't realize how fast time goes by. 
Right. Um, we're talking with Brad Hunt. Brad, uh, Papa Jones uh, asked a lot about also your, your hard shot. Um, you've answered a lot, but he asked, is, is there a trade-off to using a longer stick for better reach on the defensive side of the puck versus power and accuracy? Absolutely. And uh, when I was younger, I was never really a good skater. And it's something that I still have to work on to become faster and faster because the game is getting so much faster. But I also like when I was younger, I needed to rely on a longer stick to keep up almost um, to where and being being smaller, uh, a longer stick, you're able to get underneath guys and kind of poke it away and pull it away. Um, But uh, yeah, I think I think it's definitely for someone like me, it's been uh, something that's helped me a lot. Uh, the dog father, you, you kind of address this as, as well. I love I love Twitter, by the, by the way. His name is Dog Father. His Twitter <laughs> address is Belly Rubs for Pups. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, you, know, you mentioned the workouts that you use uh, to get the can- canon of shot that you have. Um, you mentioned the core workouts. Any specific workouts that you can re- recommend to him? Um, no, just like uh, balance, uh, a lot of band work. Um, if you're familiar with those, uh, those little band things you can buy at Target. They have handles. Um just like oblique twists, stuff like that. If you put it around a pole and you kind of just do a oblique twist, um, just simple stuff like that. Nothing too out of the ordinary. Uh, Jake Bilbin, uh, who I might play at, at Bemidji State, he definitely has a picture of uh, a Bemidji State hockey player in his Twitter avatar. Um, okay. He says, uh, "Can uh, some he might know you even?" Uh, he says, "Can you tell us the story of your first NHL goal?" Uh, my first NHL goal happened to be in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had home, made hometown my, basically. Yeah, I I uh, had made the team in Edmonton out of camp, which I never really expected. Uh, Dallas Eakins was a coach, and uh, so I made the team out of the camp, and I believe it was the third game of the year. We were playing in Vancouver, and David Perron, who was on the team at that time, was behind the net, kind of dished it out to Teddy Purcell on the half wall, and he bumped it up to me at the top for a one-timer. And I remember just thinking, just hit it as hard as you can. So I remember <laughs> closed my eyes, and I just hit it as hard as I can. And I kind of I blacked out a little bit because I was so excited. I heard it hit the bar and I was like, yes, like it is in. And I just never I don't even really remember doing the flyby by the bench. I kind of remember just sitting on the bench being like, holy smokes. I literally just had a dream come true of being able to score in the NHL. And I got to do it in Vancouver. So it's something that's so cool. And your I mean, who was there? Your parents had to be there, right? Oh, yeah. I had there was lots of people there. Uh bunch of friends, my parents, family, close family friends. It was it was something that was really special. Unbelievable. That's just unreal to to score your first NHL goal as an undrafted Bemidji State alum yep. in Vancouver. That's yep. uh that's pretty unreal as well. Um we I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh uh first of all, I should start calling you Bradley because that's what your dad always calls you, right? <laughs> Him and my mom are the only ones. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was the best part. The whole Q&A that I did with the, the Father's Roundtable. Steve, uh, your father calls you Bradley in it, which I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, one of your biggest I – don't, I don't know if idiosyncrasies is the right word, but I know your teammates would call it idiosyncrasies is the fact that you don't wear socks in your skates, which I know you take a lot of grief uh, oh, uh, by, not just from your teammates, but the trainers and the media members as well. Every day. <laughs> I, I miss it, actually. <laughs> Uh, I can still smell it. Uh, no, no offense, but it is. It is. That's how. That's when you know that you're by your locker. Yeah, I think my wife uh, is so happy that we aren't playing right now because my feet don't smell nearly as bad as when I get when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think, I, and I'm sorry if I cut you off here, but yep. I don't remember when it started, but I, for, I remember one time when I was younger, I forgot to bring socks to a game. And I was like, I am not asking my dad to go get me socks because it was my responsibility to pack my bag and I forgot them. And I was not telling him that I forgot them. <laughs> so I was like, screw it. I'm just wearing no socks. And I just happened to love it. And it's it might have been Adam or Pee Wee's. And I've just haven't wore socks since. Are there, there, there are like Jordan Greenway, he wears socks, right? I don't not? think he does, but okay. uh, some, I got to ask him his trick because no one ever gives him grief about not wearing <laughs> socks. <laughs> but you still wear the cut resistance uh, socks over? So, no, so, actually. So no, don't. I don't wear anything all the way up, wow. uh, like for socks wise, but it's something that I have thought about doing, obviously, when you see the injuries. So it's mm-hmm. something that I've started practicing with and uh, just to get used to again. But it's just one of those things where it's like the guys that don't wear visors. You know, it's something yeah. that they're so used to that you just don't change it. Yeah. Um, again, we're talking with Brad Hunt. Uh, Declan Goff, who works at Score North. Um, so I guess Felino was on uh, Judd Zolgad's hockey show recently, and he must have been talking about your profinity for White Claws. Is that is that? I'm not sure I'm getting this right, but he wanted to know your your power rankings of White Claws. White Claws, like the drink? Yeah. Do you drink White Claws? No, I've only had maybe okay. those one or twice. Okay, I, I don't know. Uh, that's interesting. I, he says that Felino called you out on Judd's show for drinking White Claws, unless I'm misunderstanding the tweet. So. He did. I'm gonna have to ask him because I think I've only had them <laughs> maybe once or twice, <laughs> if that. That is funny. Once for sure. Um, Justin on Twitter uh, asks, um, how hard and easy is it to uh, to have a work-life balance in the NHL? Um, I don't know. I've become something that's just normal. Uh, you go to the rink in the morning like everybody else would go to work. Uh, we do our practice, and then we come home, and it's family time. Uh, and uh, obviously, when you go on the road, it's it's a busy year uh, with road trips and stuff like that. So you're not you're not home with your family a lot by any means. But when you are home, you'd make the most of it. And uh, and it's something that uh, I know Katie has become used to as well. And uh, she's been with me since day one of being in professional hockey and through school. Um, so it's something that we become used to and it just becomes normal. Um, we're, uh, we're talking with Brad Hunt. Uh, Alec asks, uh, what parts of Minnesota do you like better than Vegas? Um, it is funny when after you traded uh, to the wild, um, you know, right away, I, I was like, wow, I wish I was kind of, you know, I, I, I'm a Vegasaholic and it's amazing how many people that I know either with the Vegas Golden Knights organization yep. um, or even uh, my casino host at the Planet Hollywood, Dave Wingem, texted me telling me what kind of great guy you are because I think he has an affiliation with Dan Plant. And so, you know, I yep. think your family and Ryan Carpenter's family is, has stayed at the Planet Hollywood as well. Um, yep. What... what you know, what was it like leaving Vegas, an incredible place where you're wearing, you know, shorts all the time and golfing and out in the pool, no matter, you know, you could be there all year long to uh, to come into a place like Minnesota in the heart of winter. Yeah. And I mean, like and Vegas is like you said, it was it was so fun. The people in the city treated us very well. The people on the strip, uh, like I said, like you said, with David Wincham, who someone became very close with them. My parents had met others uh, uh, through Vegas that have lived there just from being at the games and uh became really close friends with. And I don't think I necessarily would miss that, that the aspect of being around the restaurants and the hotels and stuff like that. That stuff was really cool. But the things that I, I missed was the relationships that I had built with the people around the city and the people on the team. Um, that's the things that I think will stick with me and Katie for the rest of our lives. 
um, is the people we met and the experiences that we had with the people that we became friends with and uh, the people that were close with us. And we'll always uh, go back there and see people and uh, have close relationships with the people we met. But to come to Minnesota, like I said, Minnesota was such a special place to us from day one. Um, like I said, Katie and I met in Minnesota in Bemidji. So Bemidji is always going to be such a special place to us. Her family lives in Grand Rapids, which uh, we, we always go visit and we always have a lot of fun up there with all her family and uh again another special place and um we just enjoy here the people here are super friendly uh no i don't think i've ever met somebody that hasn't waved here Uh, we go for walks all the time and i always bug katie i said i wave to as many people as i can to see who won't wave back (laughs) and i think everybody waves so it's a it's a it's such a friendly place and you were, you know, it's funny, uh, you're such a friendly guy, but you've, you might have been ahead of your time. You, you're usually a fist bumper, right? You're not a, a big handshake guy. I, I, every time yeah. I see you, you know, you kind of, when you walk by you or anytime, you kind of give you a fist bump. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a, and it, my first year in Chicago, I remember I sat in the corner right by the door and they're like, we got to move this guy. Like every time someone comes through the door, he's always fist bumping. Like we got to get him away from the door. <laughs> and uh, it's just, it's just a sign of, being friendly, I think, with some if somebody reaches out and gives you a fist pump, you're like, oh, cool. Like, hey, how's it going? And it kind of sparks a conversation. By the way, about Dave Winjum, I don't know if I've ever told you the story, but I met Dave Winjum my first year in Minnesota, coincidentally. My buddy Craig Minervini, who is a broadcaster with the Panthers and the Florida Marlins, I'm in Vegas with him, and he goes, you got to meet my casino host over here at the Planet Hollywood. He's from Minnesota. He's going to be a good guy for you to know, okay, because I just got into the Minnesota and so I go and I meet Winjum, and Winjum tells me, hey, do you know Sid Hartman? And Sid Hartman's like, the, he's now 100 years old. He's a columnist at the Star Tribune, and that's where I used to work. And he goes to me, if you can get your, my uh, Sid Hartman to sign an autograph on a baseball for my dad, I will hook you up anytime you come to Vegas. And poor Winjum, I don't think he knew what he was getting himself into. <laughs> I land in Minnesota. The first thing I do is go to the Target by MSP. I buy a baseball. I go to the store Tribune. I walk into Sid's, Hartman, Sid's office and I say, hey, sign this ball. I send it back to, to Winjum to give to his dad. And, and I bet you Winjum has hooked me up for a hotel room like 75 times since since then. It's just he is such a he is such a great guy. And that that's just how he is. Like he was that's how he was with with my family. And I too, he's like, listen, Brad, I don't want anything returned. If you want anything, just ask and don't hesitate yeah. to ask. Because it's he just was a friendly person. If you get a chance, you got to go see his basement at his house there. It's oh, yeah. pretty spectacular. Yep. The other funny thing is like a lot of uh, his high rollers, his whales, will tip him with like whiskey. And, oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't – I don't think he drinks whiskey. So if you go into – like he's got a closet in his house and it's like you walk in there and it's like a museum of like the most high, – the highest <laughs> so end cool. whiskeys that you've ever seen. Hopefully I'm not getting him in trouble by pointing this stuff out. Uh, Josh Wheeler it, asks yeah. – uh, what. Josh Wheeler asks, what's your favorite Vegas show to go to? Um, there was a bunch of them. My favorite, the, um, oh, he's going to get mad because, uh, Matt Frankel, um, he was, he was a really cool show. He's a, he was at the link and he's a mat- magician and, uh, he was someone that we got to Katie and I, and my mom and dad got to meet after such a great person, really down to earth. And, uh, he had actually came to a Vegas game one time and, uh, a lady there, her name is Katie Bottinger, who's Katie and I are really close. So she's like, Brad, someone's here to see you. I think you're going to want to go see him. And I'm like, who would want to see me? (laughs) 
And I remember walking out of the room and he was there. Uh, Matt Franco was standing outside. I'm like, no way. Cool. Like you're asking to see me of all the guys you could ask to see. You want to see me? He's like, oh yeah. Like we had, we just, we did had such a great, great time talking when you came to my show. So I figured when I was here, I'd come say hi. So that was something that was really cool. So that was a great show. And, um, uh, another one is absinthe, uh, another mm-hmm. great show. It's kind of on the raunchy side. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, I think it's like 18 plus to go to, but, uh, it, it's super funny if, uh, I mean, you, if you get offended easily, then I wouldn't go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you don't want to be part of the show, I'd sit in the back because uh, yeah, if you get a little, if back. you're within the first couple of rows, there's a very good chance you're gonna uh, you're gonna have to get picked on or at least called up on stage. And uh, it is definitely uh, it is definitely, uh, but it is funny. It is funny as heck, but it's very uh, very much on the risque side. Um, yeah. What's your favorite Vegas restaurant? Uh, again, there was so many, I don't necessarily know that Katie and I had a favorite. Um, there was so many great places that we could go to. It, it depended on what kind of food you liked too. Um, if you, if you liked, uh, sushi, uh, yellowtail was good. Mizumi was good. Um, steak places. We never went to too many steak places, but where we, where we lived out uh, in Summerlin, we would go to, uh, there was a place called North Italia, which we would go to all the time, which was great. Uh, there, there's, there's so many places that were good to eat. You you wound up uh, didn't you give your house uh, to like Mark Stone after he got there? I mean, isn't that yeah. essential? Or am I wrong on that? Yep. So when we got traded, we still had our lease there. So uh, and a guy who uh, helped us out with there, his name is Donald. He helped us out uh, with getting our houses, and we just mentioned to him, "Hey, if uh, someone needs to live here, they can." I mean, we have the lease until the the end of the season, and uh, it just happened. I think two weeks later, Mark Stone uh, got traded there. So I don't necessarily know that he lived there. Uh, it was offered to him, and I think they stayed there for a little bit, but he ended up buying a house in Vegas. So I'm not too sure how long they stayed in there, but the lease ran out at the end of the year, and I'm pretty sure they stayed there for a little bit anyhow. A couple more questions uh, with uh, Brad Hunt. Very thankful that you've given me uh, so much time here on this oh, no very problem. rainy uh, Tuesday in the Twin Cities. Just a couple more Twitter questions. Um, Andrew uh, Bear or Ebert, Hebert, um, asks, uh, who was your favorite player growing up and why? My favorite player was uh, actually Adrian Acoin, who uh, wow. played with the Canucks. He played with the Islanders. He played with Columbus, I believe, as well as Arizona. And I might be wrong, but maybe Chicago. But anyways, yeah, he he was someone that when he was in Vancouver and the Islanders, who the Islanders were my favorite team when I was growing up. He would play like 30, 33 minutes a night, and he just had an absolute bomb of a shot. And he was someone who I kind of tried to model my game, my game through. That's awesome. And then uh, let's see, Aaron uh, Heckman asks, uh, what's your favorite pregame meal? <laughs> People are going to give me a lot of grief for this, but uh, I like to eat Subway. <laughs> <laughs> man, you are an every man's man. Yep. I just go to Subway before the games. I, I get a chicken, a footlong chicken breast and a six inch spicy Italian. And that's that's what I've eaten since junior. And uh Everybody's going to give me such a hard time now. I can't wait. <laughs> That's, or it could get you a great endorsement. Who knows? Yeah, there you go. Um, just a couple final questions, Brad. Obviously, we are living in a weird, weird time right now. Um, it seems like the NHL is very intent on trying to continue this season. Um, first of all, have you have you heard anything yet? How much conversation do you have with the Wild on on when, you know, potentially uh, Tria could be open to you guys for at least to start working out? Yeah, we do uh... – Little chats. Uh, Doobie is our player rep with the NHLPA, so he'll always keep us informed of what's going on, and he's done a great job with that. Uh, but other than that, it's kind of just 
status quo. We just got to make sure we're staying in shape. And we haven't really heard too much of what's going to happen in the near future or the, the long-term future. Everything is just speculation, which is, that's just how it is. I think that we're in such a, a time of the unknown and no one really knows what to expect or how this is going to work. But uh, I think there's, we got the, the best people in the world working on things and, uh, and ultimately it's health first. And I think that's how everyone's portrayed it. So I hope everyone is, is staying healthy and uh, enjoying their time with their family and, and taking the positives out of a difficult time, really. I mean, this isn't easy for people to go through it. Uh, and uh, I think we're fortunate that family is something that has been so strong for us. That's awesome. Brad, uh, just lastly, I mean, one of the things that you have been doing a lot during this quarantine is really helping out the wild with a lot of their season ticket holder, um, uh, you know, Zooms and things like that. And I know a, um, a wild fan sent me a picture the other day in direct message of you actually playing bingo with like season ticket holders kids. Is, is that what happened? Yeah. So uh, Andrew uh, Height, uh, Whitey, uh, dropped off a little bingo machine where you spin the balls and uh, the bingo balls come out and uh, um, uh, people with the wild had uh, reached out and asked if I would do a bingo day, uh, bingo session <laughs> on Zoom with uh, or WebEx, I think it was, with some season ticket holders. And I thought that was cool. I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was, I think it was half an hour. Uh, we sat there and the, the kids were on the Zoom and with their parents and uh, we got to do a little bingo session, and I think we play, ended up playing two full games, which they were the longest bingo <laughs> games. Like it took forever to get bingos. I was, it was probably my fault that I wasn't rigging the balls properly. But uh, uh, yeah, the, the kids were having a great time, and then we did a little Q and A at the end, and I think it was fun. It was just to to reach out and say thank you for all their support that they give us throughout the season. Well, that's amazing. Um, well, uh, you know, Brad, really, again, uh, really thank you for giving uh, us so much time here. I hope everybody is healthy in your world and your parents are doing well and your siblings and, and uh, obviously your family as well. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Roost. And I hope everyone that's listening, uh, hope everyone's doing great and uh, enjoying their time with families and staying healthy and uh, just uh, getting itchy to, to get back to, to normal life here. But uh, like I said, it's health first. And again, I hope everyone is doing great. Yeah, it's amazing. I cannot. It, it, it is when you go through something like this, it makes you really appreciate um, the lives that all of us have. You as a hockey player, me that gets to watch you guys play and document it and, and tell the, your stories on an everyday basis. I cannot tell you how much I can't wait to get back into a press box again and, and watch some live hockey and report on it. And, and Brad, you know, as always, as I always tell you, you are uh, one of the most affable people I've ever uh, met. Uh, really do appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you very much, Roos. I really yep. enjoyed it. That is uh, Brad Hunt. And again, uh, thanks for listening to Straight from the Source. So, uh, we've introduced a comment section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app. So make sure you come and say hello and let us know how you're doing and comment on this Brad Hunt episode. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to Straight from the Source on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash straight from the source, you'll get 40% off your subscription. Thanks and talk to you next week. 